following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. The universal symbol of Christianity is undeniably the cross of Calvary. As we look to the cross now, closer to Easter time, we know that Easter morning we're focused on the empty tomb. But the cross of Calvary, where, where the hell that we deserve was paid for to give us the heaven that we don't deserve. The cross of Calvary. How, how do we know that this even existed? How, how can we know for sure that this event actually unfolded 2,000 years ago? Where is the evidence? What, what do we put all of our hope and our faith and our belief in? Let me just ask you a few questions about some other historical figures. George Washington. How do you know George Washington existed? Did you ever see him? Did you ever get to sit down and talk with him? Did you get to touch him? How do you know he went across the river that day, Valley Forge, fighting those battles? Making the stand. How do you know he was a great leader? He was honest Abe Lincoln. <laughs> How do you know he was so honest? How do you know he did all the things that he did? How do you know he was an actual president of the United States? We can read documents. We, we can see pictures. We can go off of the testimony of other people. And people will argue with you. Well, how do you know that Jesus was a real person? By faith. That's what it all boils down to is my faith. How, how do you know that he died on the cross? How do you know that all of those events that we hear about the day of Jesus' death actually unfolded? Were you there that day? Could you touch him? Could you feed him? Could you see the crowds that day? Well, it's all based on faith alone. The, the cross alone is where we get our hope from. What, what is faith anyway? The biblical definition of faith is the substance of things Hope for and the evidence of things not seen. The substance, sub, something below, stance, something that we stand on. That is what our faith stands on is faith and faith alone. The same faith that it takes to read a history book and know George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, all those historical figures existed. That same faith is used in our Hope of salvation through Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. When's the last time that your faith has really, really been tested? When's the last time someone has questioned you in such a way that uh, your faith was tested beyond measure? When's the last time that you've been in a situation to where your faith has been really pushed? To, I'm talking about a sacrificial test of your faith. I've often heard that a, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. So in, on your outline, I just want you to think for a moment. When was the last time that my faith has really, really been tested? We're going to look at the cross of Calvary this week and next week. And we'll look at the actual events that took place on the day that Jesus died on, on Easter morning. 
But I, I want to give you two Old Testament examples, one this week and one next week. Pictures of the cross and the faith that it took to look to that moment, to look ahead in time and know that God was going to provide a promise. God was going to provide a substitution. God was going to provide something that we could build and stand on in our faith. So you and your faith, when is the last time outside of your initial salvation experience, if you are a born-again believer, when was the last time in your life some experience where you trusted God more than ever in a certain situation? When is the last time that you really put all of your faith in saying, I know that not only God can, but God will provide in this situation? What was it a sacrificial time? Sometimes where God was asking you to give something that you knew it was going to be impossible to give. How long did you have to wait for that promise to come true? That, that test of your faith, that promise that, that God will provide during this situation. How long did you have to wait? Let me ask you this though. How much did your faith grow during that time? As you leaned more and more upon those promises that not only God can, but God will provide. Was it one of the most valuable lessons that you ever learned in your life? And what did God show you during that time? When he answered that promise, when you passed that test of faith. What was the lesson that you came out of with that? Was what, what, how did God grow you in your faith during that time? But we're going to look at a very familiar character today. His name is Abraham. He had to go through a test of his faith, his very own faith. God had promised Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation. You're going to have so many children. This nation is going to be so huge. It's going to be just like the stars in the sky in multitude, and like the sands by the seashore in Israel. But for 100 years, Abraham was not able to bear children with his wife, Sarah. Abraham waited and waited and waited on this promise. And then one day, God said, all right, I'm going to give you this son. And then it wasn't long after that, God said, all right, I've given you the promise Let's test your faith now. Let's just see how much you trust me. If you have your Bibles this morning, open to Hebrews chapter 11. This is what we know as the hall of faith. The chapter of faith. And we find somewhat of an abbreviated version of Abraham's story and his test of his faith. We're going to see several key events that took place during that time. And what faith is based upon, some areas in which your faith can actually grow. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 8. I know your outline says going through verse 19. We probably won't go all the way through 19. But there are a few key words that I want you to look at and circle as we begin this. And it happens in the first four words of verse 8. By faith, Abraham 
obeyed. Circle that word faith and circle that word obey. And as we think about the definition of the word faith, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, Abraham responded to God's tests by obeying. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city, which was foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we see the first test of Abraham's faith. God says, I want you to go to a land that you've never been before. Just follow me, Abraham. Just obey me. And here's where the real test comes in at. By faith, Sarah, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man... And him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Drop down to verse 17. We'll pick up right there. Here's, where, here's a story that we're going to focus on. We're going to go to the book of Genesis and look at this story in particular. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested... Offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for these promises. We thank you for these great patriarchs that we see in the Bible, Lord God, men and women of faith who are from time to time tested in their trust of you and in your provision. As we look to Abraham, as we look to the time when he offered up his son Isaac, we just pray, Lord God, that we'll catch a glimpse of uh, the promise that was fulfilled on the cross of Calvary the day that Jesus died. When you offered up your only son. And we just pray, Lord God, that our faith would grow through this as each and every person here may be going through a test of some sort. Lord, I pray that you would test us. I pray, Lord God, that you would put us in a position where our only hope is to trust in you. Not what we can do, not what anyone else can do, but only in what you can do. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me the words that we need to hear today, Lord God, is my faith. Uh, I know still needs to grow. I know that my faith needs to be tested. We trust in you to speak to us today in a way that only you can through your word. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hold your finger there. We may come back to that. Put a, a marker in it somehow. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. and We're going to look at the actual account that we just read in abbreviated form in the book of Hebrews. Genesis 22, many chapters devoted to the story of Abraham, but this story in particular kind of highlights and paints a picture of 
the day that Jesus died, when he went up on Mount Calvary and offered his life as a sacrifice and a ransom for many. And we're going to see four specific things uh, that faith needs to be tested in, four areas in which our faith will often be tested in and God will call us to be obedient in. First of all, I want you to see this, that faith trusts in the Lord's direction. Faith always trusts in the Lord's direction. This was not the first time that God asked Abraham to go somewhere that he had never been before. God called Abraham to go out of his homeland to another land. He said, I'm not going to show you right now where it's at. But when we get there, I'm going to show you exactly where you need to be. You don't know the end result of this journey that I'm sending you on. Because I want you to trust my direction every step of the way. And in Genesis chapter 22, we begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. The first question I want to ask you about this passage is, Would you be able to recognize God's voice as quickly as Abraham did? Abraham was a friend of God. Obviously, he had had these many conversations with the Lord. As soon as the Lord started speaking to him, boy, he picked up on it. He knew exactly, this is my best friend talking to me. This isn't the first conversation that we've had. He knows my voice, and I know his. God began speaking to him, and immediately Abraham knew it was the Lord's voice. Here I am. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. If you'll notice all of these commands and a lot of these responses that Abraham gives and God gives to Abraham are in future tense. They're not in past tense or present tense. All of these are in future tense. In other words, God's direction is for your future. God doesn't want you looking back and dwelling on the past as much as he does focusing on the future. And one of my jobs as your pastor is to keep your eyes focused on what's ahead as a church. That's exactly what God is doing here. He says, look, I'm not going to show you just yet. I wouldn't be testing your faith if I showed you where we were going right now. If I were to plug it in on your GPS and give you the X marks a spot on the map, that wouldn't be much of a test. But instead, I want you to show me that you're trusting in me by taking off going in a direction that you've never been before. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. He was preparing to go and do exactly what the Lord had asked him to do. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. God told him, he said, I want you to go, take your son, burn offering, sacrifice. So Abraham rose up early with anticipation, knowing that God had a direction and a plan and got everything ready and in order to obey the Lord and do exactly what he wanted him to. And it wasn't just a short journey either. He made all the preparations and in verse 4 it says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. And he saw the place afar off. 
So this was not the first time that Abraham had left without knowing the destination. He said, it's just the land of Moriah, that's a pretty big place. We're going to talk about that specific location here shortly. But he just gave him a general direction to go in. This was not the first time that Abraham had left without knowing the destination. How many of us go on a journey not really knowing where we're going to end up at? Not many of us do that. A lot of times we plan and we prepare ahead of time. We, we go to stay in a motel. Man, we look at all the ratings and the reviews. We want to know as much information as we can about it. I want to know where I'm going, what time I'm going to get there. What's going to be next to it? Man, is there an Applebee's next by? Is there a Texas Roadhouse? I want to know all the details. Not many of us go on a journey with just a haphazard location in mind. No destination whatsoever in mind. Now, guys, let me talk to you for just a moment. I, I know we're kind of used to this because a lot of times we'll get in the car, we're taking the wife out to eat, and what's the first question we ask? Where do you want to go? <laughs> I, I love the responses I get. And I've always told my wife, I said, if I ever opened up a restaurant, you ever get in there and you really don't know where you're going, and then you ask your wife, and she said, well, you know, I don't care. <laughs> Wherever you want to go, it don't matter. So here we go. We don't know where we're going, but we're going somewhere. And that's what I've told my wife before. I said, if I ever open a restaurant, I'm going to care. <laughs> Where are we going tonight? I don't care. I know exactly now there's a restaurant called. I don't care. What do you want tonight? Well, you know, whatever you want. Another good name for one. But Abraham took that step of faith. His faith was being tested. He said, all right, I know what you want me to do. I know you want me to offer a burnt sacrifice. So I've got to have fire. I've got to have wood. I don't know the direction we're going in, but I'm fixing to load up everything and I'm going. We're getting out of here. We're going to take off and I'm just trusting. It's a long ways off, three days from here. I could make that sacrifice here locally, but you're telling me the land of Moriah, no specific location in mind. It wasn't that Abraham didn't know or didn't care. It was all because Abraham knew from past experiences that the Lord would lead him exactly to the place where he needed to be. Not only did he recognize the Lord's voice when the Lord started giving him the directives and the commands, but he said, God, you have not failed me so far in my life, and I'm not expecting you to fail me this time either. He was completely trusting in God's instructions and his directions. So do you ever ask God if there's any other way of making something happen? God, what, what are my options here? What, what if this doesn't work out? What's plan B? God says, uh-uh. You just trust my plan. That's the only plan you need. Do you ever question something that God is asking you to do? Do you ever say, God, you know, do you really want me to go there? Do, do you really want me to speak to that person? Do you, do you ever question God's directions for your life? Guess what? It's okay. It's okay if you do that. We all do from time to time. But Abraham, being a friend of God, 
already seen God's promises fulfilled. God said, I will give you children. And I will make you a great nation. And Abraham waited and waited and waited. And just like God said, it came to pass. There's Isaac, my only son. I'm living with a promise right now that God has given to me. And I've got proof, I've got evidence that not only God's directions prove to be true, but His provisions do well as well. Can you imagine the question that Abraham got from Sarah? Oh, you ain't taking my baby boy, not on this trip. <laughs> You're going where? Just you and the guys? No, that ain't happening. <laughs> Abraham, why can't you just stay here and make that sacrifice? I'm sure there were all kind of questions that came up during this situation. Let me just say this. The more steps that you take in the direction that God wants you to go in, the greater your faith becomes. And the more steps that you take in the direction that God wants you to go in, the more evidence you're going to have that not only He can, but He will provide every step of the way. Remember back to our, faith, our definition of the word faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Abraham can't see it yet. But he's trusting in God enough to do what only God can do. There's something I want to zero in on right here where we're at. And it it happens twice in this narrative. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw afar off. What exactly do you think Abraham saw when he lifted his eyes up? What kind of a vision do you think that God gave him? Was it the vision of the altar and the sacrifice that he was about to make of Isaac, or was it something else? It doesn't really specify, but it just says he saw the place afar off that they were to be going to. And it happened on that third day. So can you imagine by that third day of traveling... Abraham's going through his mind. He said, all right, God's asked me to make a sacrifice. I got the donkey. I got the servants. I got the wood. I got the fire. You know what? He's asked me to offer my son Isaac. Now, if I offer my son Isaac, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. That's going to be the end of it right there. I'm not going to have any more children. I can't be a great nation. He had three whole days of traveling to think about, where is God leading me? What is it all about? Will I pass this test? How much doubt would you have going in your mind after three days of a journey like this? What did they pass through? Did they pass through towns where they see sorrow and suffering all around? Do they see other things that were the surroundings at that time so bad that it had Abraham in a deep depression that he, his eyes were looking down only at the path every step of the way and then all of a sudden he lifts his eyes up. Oh, <laughs> there it is. God gave him a glimpse of what was about to happen. And then his hope began to grow. 
his faith began to grow. And then his expectation began to grow. Point number two, the challenge ahead of him. Faith meets every challenge with a high degree of expectation. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Evidence. One of the promises that God had already fulfilled was right beside Abraham, his son Isaac. I've got all the evidence right here that God can and God will do what he has promised. God had promised him a great nation, descendants, and at the ripe old age of a hundred years old, that promise came true when Isaac was born. Not only did Abraham fully trust that God can, but that God would provide. Pick it up in verse 5. It says that Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Don't miss this. Do not miss this part right here because this is where we see Abraham's expectation really come in. Not only will God provide, not only can God provide, but he was expecting God to fully provide something else. He said, we will go and worship and we will come back to you. The first directive, God God told Abraham, Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. And then God lifted his eyes up. Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw in the far distance what was about to take place. And then he fully trusted that God was going to provide. He had an expectation that God was going to provide another way. Because he said, we're going to worship, but we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering And laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father. The suspicions are starting to rise in uh, in Isaac's mind as well. He said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, remember he's speaking in future tense, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He was fully expecting God to provide a substitution for this burnt offering. Faith meets every challenge with a high degree of expectation. How optimistic are you in your faith? The last time that your faith was really, really tested, did you enter into that test with a high degree of expectation? Or did you learn how to trust God more during that time? Right now, whatever it is that you're hoping for, faith, the evidence of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. 
This test that you're going through, you can't see it yet. You don't know the end result. You don't know the destination or the direction that you're heading in. But are you fully expecting that God not only can, but will provide everything that you need to pass this test? Abraham expected God to provide something else for this sacrifice, a substitution. Sometimes the only way that our faith will pass the test is through total submission. I have a feeling that some of you here aren't totally and fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ right now. Maybe there's some areas of your life that you haven't laid on the altar yet. Maybe there's some areas of your life that you haven't completely Perhaps faith that have been untested so far. Here's the thing. When you start acting in response to those tests and those commands and those challenges that the Lord puts before you. Point number three. Faith acted upon confirms the depth of our submission. Faith acted upon confirms the depth of our submission. A faith that has never been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. The book of Romans, I think it is, says that the testing of our faith, no, it's the book of James chapter 1, the testing of our faith produces patience. And so the more our faith is tested, the more it grows, the stronger it becomes. But it all starts with submitting to God. And it confirms that you are fully submitted to him. So Abraham went the full distance in his test. Not only did he have all the articles needed, not only did he have all the supplies needed, not only was he being obedient in the direction that God called him to go in, but he was fully submitted all the way up until the last point of his test. Faith acted upon confirms the depth of our submission. How did God know that Abraham was fully committed in this test? So the two of them went together. Verse 9 it says, And then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And it was at this point that God knew that Abraham was fully committed. He let him go every step of the way in this test. He took him right up into the limit. He took him right up into the edge. Almost to the point where it was the point of no return. Abraham had the knife in the air. Isaac couldn't do anything about it. And it was then and then that his submission to the Lord was fully confirmed. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. 
Since you have withheld your son, your only son from me, you have not withheld your son. Where is the evidence of your faith at? Where? Where is the evidence of your faith at? Where is the sacrifice? What is the one thing that you are holding on to so tightly that you haven't fully submitted to God and given it up yet and turned loose? What area have you not submitted to the Lord? Where is the evidence of your faith? You say you have faith, but when is the last time it has really and truly been tested? When is the last time you fully submitted to God and said, I don't just believe that you can, but you will provide. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to prove that to you. James chapter 2 verse 26 tells us that faith without works is dead. Faith without action. Faith without evidence, James says, is dead and Useless. It's of no good to anyone. Look at the evidence of, of Abraham's obedience. Let's look at the steps of Abraham's obedience. He rose up early. He saddled the donkey. He took two servants with him. He split the wood. He traveled for three days. He had time to think about the situation. Isaac carried the wood up the hill. He brought the fire. They discussed it along the way. He even built the altar. He bound up Isaac. He had to tie him up and hold him down. And when he lifted up the knife, right at the last moment, God knew right then, Abraham, I know that you're serious. I know that you're fully submitted. I know that you're fully trusted. You have passed the test that I've put you through. How does God know that your faith is genuine? See, it's, it's one thing for me to say I have faith. Oh, yes, I'm a man of great faith. I do all the things that are convenient to me. But where's the sacrifice? When's the last time you said, God, I... I, I I don't have the money in my checking account right now, so can, can, I, can I hold off on my tithe for just a little bit? Or do you say, God, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work out, but here you go. I, I want to pass this test. I want to fully trust that you can and you will provide. You can't outgive God. That's the bottom line right there. When is the last time you said, God, I don't have time on my schedule for this right now, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to trust that everything else for the rest of the week is going to work out the way you want it to. Better yet, when's the last time you said, God, I don't know how we're going to fill all of these pews up in this church. But I'm going to take one of these invitations and give to somebody and trust that you will do what only you can do. Better yet, when's the last time that you went to one of these empty pews during an invitation time and said, God, I don't know who you're going to bring in to fill this pew. 
But right now, I'm laying the sacrifice down. I'm laying the wood down. I'm laying the fire down. I'm bringing everything that I can, and I'm trusting in you to bring people in to fill these pews up. When's the last time that you have really, really sacrificed something to show God that you're trusting in Him? A habit, a relationship, a decision, whatever it may be. Faith is the substance. What, what's beneath your faith? What's holding your faith up? What foundation is your faith built upon? Substance, stance, the very thing that you stand upon. Submission begins with your head bowed down in humility. But it ends up with your eyes lifted to heaven, telling God that you fully trust in his ability to provide you with what is needed for that occasion. Watch what happens next with Abraham. The knife is in the air. His only son, the promised one, is laying on the altar. He's just about to drive the dagger into his heart and make that sacrifice. Not only would he have to do that, but then after that, he would have to light the wood underneath his darling precious son. And God says, stop. Right there, that's enough. I know that you fear me. Watch what happens next. Just the same way that Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place in a distance, he saw something else. And this is the point here that I wonder exactly what picture did God give to Abraham? He said, I, I know you fear me now. You haven't even withheld your son. You, you stopped at nothing to prove your faith in me. And in verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes again and he looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. What did he just tell Isaac? He said, God's going to provide a sacrifice. God will provide a sacrifice. Future tense. Point number four. A life lived in faith will fully understand God's supernatural provision. A ram caught in a thicket. Probably not going to be the quietest singing around. <laughs> I'm sure there would be panic and terror stricken in this animal. He would be bleeding Struggling to get out, making all kind of noise, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the same way when he lifted his eyes, he saw something in the distance. That's the spot I want you to go. With the dagger in the air, he lifted his eyes and he saw the ram, God's provision, caught in a thicket. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way for us to have a substitution for our sin. And Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering. 
instead of his son. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So God went and took the precious lamb of God and offered it up instead of me for me to be his son. Jesus Christ stood in my place and became my substitution supernaturally No other way for this to take place other than the sins of the world to be placed upon him at the cross of Calvary for me to become a son of God and continue to live for all eternity. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide Not the Lord did provide, not past tense. Not the Lord did provide a ram for me and Isaac on that day, but the Lord will provide a sacrifice for all mankind. The Lord will provide a substitute for us to become the sons of God. Amen? What did Abraham really see on that day? The first time he lifted up his eyes, what did he see? Did God give him a snapshot of something else? And when he lifted up his eyes with that dagger in the, in the air on Mount Moriah, most researchers and scholars seem to think that Mount Moriah is the same place as Mount Calvary and Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw something. I have to believe that God showed him something else. It wasn't just the ram that he saw. I don't have scriptural evidence of that. But listen to the, at the times that God lifted people's eyes and they saw something else. What did Abraham really see when he lifted his eyes? Twice in this narrative alone... He lifted his eyes and saw something. And this action is prevalent throughout Scripture. A few chapters earlier, Genesis 18-2, Abraham lifted his eyes. And he actually saw the three men coming that gave the announcement that Sarah would give birth to Isaac. Genesis 24-64, Jacob lifted his eyes and he saw his future wife, Rebekah, on her way. Genesis 43, 29, Joseph lifted up his eyes while he was in Egypt and he saw his younger brother Benjamin on his way after so many years of being apart. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, before conquering Jericho, Joshua lifted his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord come and say, and don't be afraid, we've given you this city. At the tomb of Lazarus, John chapter 11, verse 41, Jesus lifted his eyes toward him. What did, he, did he see Lazarus saying, uh-uh, don't bring me back, leave me where I'm at? But Jesus lifted his eyes before he brought Lazarus forth out of the tomb. And by faith, the psalmist in chapter 121 said, I will lift up my eyes 
from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. You see, if you look around right now, it'll scare you to death. If you look around right now at our world and the way it's going, you'll live your life in worry. You'll be wringing your hands. You'll say, what in the world is going on? How how am I ever going to make it out of this alive? If you look around at your circumstances, guess what? You'll live with panic and anxiety, not knowing how you're ever going to get out of this alive. Not ever knowing how you're going to make ends meet. If you look to other people for answers, guess what? They're going to steer you in the wrong direction the majority of the times. But if you'll do like Abraham, if you'll do like Isaac, if you'll do like Jesus, if you'll do like the psalmist, if you will lift your eyes to heaven, you'll say, well, there it is right there. That's the answer that I've been looking for. That's what I need to pass this test of my faith that I'm going through. I will lift up my eyes from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. And I just can't help but to believe the Lord will provide that when Abraham lifted his eyes a second time, God gave him a snapshot of Calvary and Jesus dying on the cross. John the Baptist, when he was in the River Jordan, he looked up and he saw Jesus come. He had to lift up his eyes. He said, there he is. There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And right there on Mount Moriah, I believe that God gave Abraham a snapshot of what would happen. What is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And when we live our life in faith, we will know that God is not only able to provide, but he's able to provide supernaturally, more abundantly. But it only comes through our lives as we trust his direction. We meet every uh, every challenge with expectation. When we respond and we confirm the depth of our submission to what God wants us to do. But most importantly, we we fully understand God is supernaturally able to provide. The more you know him, the more you trust him, the more your faith will grow. Each and every day. What is faith? Faith is saying, Lord, I I lay my life down before you. I give all honor and glory to you. Lord, I, I don't know the end result. I can't see it yet. But all I have to do is lift my eyes and I know that you're already there. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm lifting my eyes to you. And I'm trusting you during this time of a test. I'm stepping out in faith, Lord God. Knowing that you will provide the way. 
You've got a destination in mind and you've got an end result in mind. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. In the Hebrew language is the name Jehovah Jireh. And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So my assessment of what Abraham saw on that day. Where, where, where do I get that from? Where do I dig that up from? What, what, what else was said that leads me to believe that? Jesus was having a discussion with the religious leaders of the time. He said, you know what? He said, your father Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. And I would have to think that that day that Abraham lifted his eyes, he saw the day of Jesus becoming the substitute for our sin and the payment for our sin and shedding his blood for our sin on that day. Because on the mount, God will provide. And God did provide. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what kind of a test you're going through right now. I don't know if there's something that you're holding on to that you have not yet laid on the altar to give to the Lord. I don't know what kind of a sacrifice you're being asked to make. Or is there something that you need to sacrifice? All I know is is that the Lord will provide. Whatever need it is that you have, whatever struggle it is you're going through, whatever answer you're searching for, God not only can provide, but he will provide. And he wants to grow your faith. He wants to stretch your faith. He wants you to trust him now more than ever. But if you're not a child of God, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've ever ne- never taken that first step of faith to enter into a relationship with Him, that's where it first starts at. Once you trust Him with your life and you fully submit to Him, say, Jesus, I want you as the Savior and the Lord of my life. In every area I submit to you, your life then becomes one continuous test after another. So it starts off small and it begins to grow. Answer the prayer you see, the more you'll pray, the more you'll know you can trust him, and the closer you'll draw to him. But it all starts today with saying, God, I trust you. And I know that you will provide the same way that you did for Abraham. But Lord, right now, I want to start off by trusting you with my life my salvation, my eternal destination. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't completely understand it. But I know that you have a destination in mind. He just told his disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Do you know that heaven is your destination? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? You say, well, I don't know the way to get there. I don't know how to get there. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you started that relationship by saying just a few simple things. First of all, you say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin has separated me from you. And Lord, I want to repent of my sin. By faith, I turn from my sin and I turn to you. By faith, I want to walk with you for the rest of my life, fully trusting in you to save me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him, that belief is not just a one-time deal. It's a continuous belief each and every day. Walking, trusting, and growing in what only God can do. You say, God, I know I've sinned. I've earned for my sin. Now I fully commit my life to you. And you ask him to save you, and he will. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.